five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> All right. Uh, hello again, everybody, and welcome in. It is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game and the IBX Media app, 943thegame.com, and all of our uh, various social media uh, outlets as well. Pilk, Philip the Ref Pilkington, busy day for him. It's been a busy uh, couple months. Or oh, really a busy uh, sports season for him so far. Pilk, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. I may have had a cup of coffee this morning and a Coke at lunch, but caffeine's pulling me through, and uh, Patrick's still getting some here at the 5 o'clock hour. I, I, had, uh, I had a couple this morning, but I needed some this afternoon to uh, make sure I was uh, up. You know, just uh, sometimes after those basketball games, you, even though that game pretty last night was pretty quick, all things considered, you just don't get a lot of sleep uh, with the turnaround. So uh, that such is life. And uh, yeah, so I'm just trying to be adequately caffeined up um, tomorrow. Well, let's tell you what we got today. First, we're going to talk about ECU's basketball win last night. The women won today. Uh, Rob Maloney, who called the game along with uh, Scotty Rogers, will be uh, on with us at 535 today. We'll talk to him about that and some other things as he's the Pitt County AD. Uh, Also, Jim Zoki coming up in a few minutes uh, with the Panthers Radio Network. It's the Panthers and Green Bay Packers from Bank of America Stadium on Christmas Eve. It'll be a much different uh, weather environment there uh, this week. Uh, We got a few uh, other little things to get to as uh, well. And uh, tomorrow... 9.30 in the morning on our video platforms, Facebook, YouTube, and X. We will have uh, the Patrick Johnson Show. It'll air at 6 p.m. on the radio side tomorrow. That highly coveted Friday before a major holiday spot at 6 o'clock. Highly coveted. All right, so here is what we have in store for you tomorrow. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. I thought last year got a little nasty with the Festivus. And as a result, those people are no longer here. I was, I didn't get to be a part of that show. I, I wonder no, what you the- were, uh, you were not on that show. That's why you're still here. Yeah. Well, I guess I won't be here next year if history is set to repeat itself. No, no, no. If It got nasty. So we had to, uh, you know. So don't get nasty tomorrow. Yeah, I kind of want to know. I need to go back and listen to that show. I'm sure it's in oh. podcast form somewhere. I got to hear what Cookie said. Oh, well, how'd you know? How'd you know? You don't <laughs> process you, of you, elimination. You, <laughs> 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 yeah, because Ben B. Baby and I are boys. So, all right. Um, you want to start with the Mac Brown Dave Doran thing? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, and then Sorry. we'll get into the pirate report. So. Uh, This was kind of breaking as we were doing our show yesterday uh, for the video audience in the afternoon, which we were already so far down the line with guests and and that kind of thing and uh, hashtag content that we uh, really didn't get a chance to explore this, as it were. But uh, Mac Brown says that he and his team really didn't appreciate the disregarding remarks 
that NC State coach Dave Doran made after the uh, recent State UNC game. State defeated uh, UNC 39-20 November 25th, and Doran talked to his team after the game. You know it's been 1,460 days since those pieces of blank beat us. Doran said that to his players. Now, the words were in the locker room. It was not in a public setting. ACC Network cameras were present and picked up the remarks, and they were broadcast after the game. The comment also gained traction on social media and flaming banter between fan bases and making it and making for a traditional rivalry fodder, the article I'm looking at reads. Uh, Brown addressed the remarks during the media availability on National Signing Day. Of course, uh, Carolina had a player flip and go to NC State, a receiver. But this is what uh, Mac Brown had to say uh, during the National Signing Day press conference yesterday in regards to this subject. Hit it, Pilk. In our last ball game. <clears throat> With a rival school after the game, the, the head coach of that school called our players a piece of shit. And I apologize for that language, but I've never heard something like that before. And I'm, I'm disappointed. Uh, I thought it was classless. Uh, it's not true. Uh, number one, we didn't play well in the game. We didn't coach well in the game. That's been very well documented, and I got that. Uh, but you don't call kids a piece of shit. And um, I've addressed it with our team. I apologize to them. Uh, these kids are one of the top academic groups in America, they got an award for AFCA's top 13. Um, they've won a coastal division, they, they've won a bunch of games, they, they've been to an Orange Bowl, been to five straight bowls, they represent us well, and from me speaking for them and their parents, they really didn't appreciate uh, being called a piece of Never heard that before, um, and, and very, very disappointing. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it is what it is. Um, and, and we'll continue to, to work hard to try to be better. All right, so that's Mac Brown. A little whiny, but, you know, Mac's sticking up for his guys, and I have no problem with that. Let's listen to Dave Doran. Now, it was described by some outlets as a rambling response because Dave Doran was asked about this, and uh, this is what Dave Doran had to say during his National Signing Day press conference. Well, you should have heard what I said about myself and my own team after we lost to Duke in that locker room. <laughs> um, first of all, when we go to these meetings, we're supposed to get notice that there's a camera in our locker room. And that was not done. And so, you know, I have a lot of regret that that was on TV because it shouldn't have been. When you go into a locker room with your team, that is a private conversation. Unless they ask if they can be in there with a camera, and that was not asked. That doesn't give me an excuse to have that public, uh, but that's what happened. No one told me, and obviously if I knew I was on camera, my language would not have been what it was. Uh, it doesn't make it any better, no. And I did call coach and apologize um, because I could have used a lot of different words, obviously. He caught me in a heat of a moment, situation in the locker room celebrating a huge win and I was fired up about how we played you know but uh, I have respect for coach and, and you know so last thing I wanted was for him to feel that and again it's not an excuse but it shouldn't have been on TV and, and I think there's a thousand coaches out there would tell you that you know if we had to apologize for everything we said in the locker room we'd probably spend a lot of time doing that you know it's a place where a lot of emotion comes out, right? But 
yeah, I could have said that in a much more professional way and regret not doing that. What I don't regret is having passion with my players and celebrating a big win. And uh, I'm going to continue to do that. And hopefully down the road we'll get the courtesy that we deserve when we're going to be on TV uh, in those moments. So. All right. Would you say that was rambly pilk as it was described by uh, a media outlet, a statewide media outlet? I mean, it was a minute and 50 seconds for an apology. So, yeah, it was a little rambly. Okay. I, I, rambly to me means you're looking for words and you're just kind of talking without a point. I thought he had a point. Now, is he sorry he did it? Is he sorry he got caught? Sometimes you're sorry you got caught. You're not sorry you did what you did. You're sorry you got caught. Uh, and I'm no Dave Doran fan. I'm not an apologist, but he does make a good point. Now, he's blaming the camera for being in there. I find it hard to believe that the camera was in there without consent. Somebody had to approve that. But in the event Doran didn't know and somebody else down the food chain approved that or somebody in athletics approved that, um, you know, Doran probably should have known that. But I'll, I'll say this. A lot of people reporting on this and getting – they're, they're panties in a bunch about this and getting really upset one way or the other. You could, I mean, they, they walk through a men's athletic locker room or a clubhouse, they'd be whistling, whistling stranger in Paris. I mean, there's a lot of people who have not logged a competitive moment in their life. The most competitive thing a lot of these media sorts do is put on their tidy whities or boxer shorts or boxer briefs. I mean, they, they, you're not talking about necessarily people who are uh, accustomed to the culture. They just thought it'd be cool to cover the culture. So, you know, and, and whether it's a high school locker room, whether it's a, a college locker room or a professional locker room or a clubhouse, you really, uh, things go on in there and that's a, that's where the brotherhood or sisterhood or sanctuary is. And, you know, any endeavor into competitive athletics, truly competitive athletics. Is everything all right, Pilk? Yeah, sorry. I'm trying to make okay. sure this audio is going to sound good. And the computer is just wazzing out on me. Okay. Well, do Technology. it during the break. So, I know. We've got, we got, um, we got cuts coming up. we got a pirate report coming up. Oh, I know. I understand. Um, so, and I'll be quick here. Um, but you're, if you're dealing with people that coach and play in a competitive environment they are alphas they are uh, lead dogs they are supremely confident now there's various levels of that but i mean if you are a success in athletics you are uber competitive and, and in other aspects of life so you know things are said and i think for all of this crying with mac for mac brown I mean, are you? I mean, wasn't it Mac Brown's group that spray painted or, or poured paint or did something to the Duke locker room a few years ago when they won over there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, after they won the yeah, victory bell, they spray right. paint. You're supposed to spray paint the bell and they spray paint the locker room. Right. And everybody, you know, it was cool because it was North Carolina and it was Mac. Yeah, so vandalism I mean, is okay, <laughs> but freedom of speech is not, is what I'm hearing. Well, you know, draw your own conclusion. But I'm just saying, in these competitive spaces, things are said, 
that, uh, you know, aren't said in normal, polite conversation. It's a fact. I mean, everybody always, always used to get on the late Bob Knight. Had you been ever to a football practice? Because those coaches weren't saying please and thank you. All right, uh, let's do a pirate report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, East Carolina rolled last night to a 29-point victory over Delaware State, limiting them to 50 points, and that's because they tossed in a three with about a minute or so to go. Uh, Coach Swartz on having a what would be considered easy victory. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't feel that way all day oh, sure, and, sure. and since we got back from Florida. And I'll be honest, I, I don't know, and I'm sure Coach Perry can tell you, with a minute 30, whatever lead we had, it doesn't feel that way. I don't yeah. think it's just what it is. But yeah. I am really proud of the guys, and we are, because this is a difficult game uh, with the break coming up. I mean, just it's what it is. The guys have flights. They have trips. They Some of them will get in the car tonight and drive home, and it's fantastic. But you just worry, particularly coming off of the two tough losses we had and a, a well-deserved break that they get. You just worry sometimes at the focus. And But I thought our guys' preparation, our coaching staff's preparation, they all just really put put into this game. And I thought, the, the, you know, the game showed it. So that is uh, the first comments from Mike uh, Swartz there. He talked about how the team did things that were emphasized in practice during the past week. They did so very well. You just hit it on the head. I mean, transition defense was a premium, and we know it hurt us in the beginning of the Florida game. And then, obviously, defensive rebounding, uh, you know, Florida getting what they did. And we played back-to-back two really good offensive rebounding teams, and I thought our guys until the last maybe six minutes or so, and I give Coach Waterman real credit. I got a lot of respect for him. He, You know, he went with a big lineup. They don't right. they do not do that much at the three. They, put, they went with three true bigs in there and mm-hmm. made us have to adjust because they got back-to-back offensive rebounds. So we went big because I didn't want it to get to a game where they were just putting it up there and, and crashing us on the glass. And then, obviously, late in the game, you know, we put a couple guys in, and, and they got a few more of them. But uh, – Defensive rebounding and transition D, as you know, Mike, was a huge premium uh, in practice the last couple days. And uh, outside of a few possessions early in the game, transition D-wise and rebounds in the second half, I thought our guys really were up to the challenge. All right, Brandon Johnson had 10 rebounds in the first half, and that gave him 500 in his career. He finished the night with uh, 15. And uh, the rebounding prowess of uh, Johnson was something Mike Swartz discussed. He's such a warrior when it comes to rebounding. And I did challenge Brandon and Ezra from a rebounding standpoint uh, to, to, to go out and chase 10 rebounds. I mean, you know, you don't talk stats as much about a coach from a coach, and we don't individual statistics. But I'll tell you, rebound is one that I tell our guys, be, be a greedy rebounder. That's one stat. Just pile them up. And, and I don't care if you want to keep getting pad the stats, whatever you want to call it, from a rebounding perspective, yeah. that is such an important thing. And I thought Brandon set the tone, as you said, 10 in the first half. And then you look at his overall line in 13 and 15, and he's got four steals and four assists. I really thought he had a – and it shows. He's plus 28 on the plus minus. And, um, you know, so I, I thought Brandon was really tough tonight. R.J. Felton had a season-high tying six three-point hits. He scored 26. Coach Swartz on Felton. Whenever R.J. 
is aggressive on the offensive glass. It usually equates to him having an overall good game or a good offensive game. And I thought he was tonight. He was very dialed in. I think he looks great in his new haircut, too. Yep. I, know, I know Pirate Nation <laughs> saw that, too. And I thought yes. he looked awesome with that. And, um, you know, so, uh, yeah, RJ shot the ball well. But it really did, like you said, Mike, it started on the offensive glass. He gets three offensive rebounds. Um, and I quite honestly believe we ran a couple actions for him to get him the ball in the paint. And I thought he passed up a couple, you know, trying to be an unselfish player and trying to dump off. And we got the shot we want with Ezra in a rebounding position. And But you know what? That, he's that kind of teammate. Yeah. He wants to get his guys involved. And he just he probably gets two turnovers because he's trying to overpass when he really got the shot we want. All right. Speaking of R.J. Felton, let's hear from him really quickly. He said he got up a few extra shots this week since the Florida game. In the past couple of games, I was I was I had a I had a bad shooting games, but I just came in, worked on my um, worked on my shot, got extra shots up, and then just focused. And then back to Coach Schwartz, who says that he's happy that the guys will get a, a nice break here for Christmas. I think it's a healthy break for them to be able to get away from it. They, I mean, Mike, you and I talked about this earlier. This college basketball is the one sport that year-round we're together basically it goes over two semesters everybody in college other than college basketball players right now are on break or if a team is getting ready to play in an exciting bowl game in football but other than that everybody's with their families they might get three weeks off four weeks off our guys get three four days off and so for those three four days we will check on them to make sure they're good the guys know when they get closer to christmas get back in the gym start doing a little bit because when we come back on the 26th we'll probably practice twice and just to get up and down and and get the wind back and then we're, we're right back at it there is no slow roll back into it you you hit the ground but this break is well deserved well earned and i'm happy for the guys that they get it and uh, let's go with uh, the final one here, Coach Swartz, on his thought on Cam thoughts on Cam Hayes through two games. He's such a dynamic offensive player yeah. that people forget he really can defend. I mean, we put him on Robinson to start the game, and I thought he did a great job, and he did a great job in, out in Florida guarding in his first game. I think Cam, one thing about Cam, he is such a good passer that sometimes – he sees things that maybe other guys don't see. So I think getting back in that rhythm right now, he's going to just know. He'll start to learn his personnel, who he can. But he is a really, really good passer. And over his career, his assist to turnovers have showed that. Yeah. And I expect that to really help us. And I have zero concern about him going 0 for 4 from 3. Cam is a great shooter. As soon as that first one goes in, I see it every day in practice. I see him working. Sometimes they don't drop, and he hasn't thrown one in yet in the first couple games. That'll change quickly, and I have the utmost confidence in that. Pirates win 79-50 over Delaware State to move to 7-5. and Okay, uh, we'll talk more about the women's game next half hour, but right now a timeout. And when we return, our friend Jim Zoki from the Panthers Radio Network. Merry Christmas and a joyous holiday season. The Patrick Johnson Show. Download the new IBX Media app now and get the show for your ears and eyes. Doesn't it look great on me? This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Out to the uh, phone lines and out to Charlotte, where Jim Zoki with the Panthers Radio Network joins us here. Uh, Zok, Merry Christmas, a joyous holiday season for you and your wife, Sandra, and the Zoki family near and far. <laughs> well, thank you, Patrick, and happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and Philip, and happy New Year's. If I don't talk to you next week, uh, to all the gang out there back in Greenville. Oh, we'll be on next week. 
We'll be on oh, next good. week. Sir. Well, I don't know. You it's just a matter if like... you if you will want to be on next week with us. I am. I, yeah, I'll, I'll be working. We still have the NFL season never ends, even if you don't make playoffs. It never ends. <laughs> yes, it never ends, and they're just going to probably add more weeks. Uh, the no. great Jim Zoki with us. <laughs> you never know. No, uh, not this year. All right, yeah, not this year. But I mean, I'm just you know, it, it, I've always, thought, of course, they've done 17 games now, so that's you can't put that genie back in the bottle, as it were. But I, I always thought it made sense to go 18 weeks and keep the 16 games, and, and then give a couple of weeks off to a team each year. But we are where we are right now, Jim. They better expand the rosters to like everyone gets to have five quarterbacks. And that's that's one of the things I notice around the league is how many teams are on their second and in some cases third quarterbacks and the season so long yeah. as quarterbacks coming back. And it just it just um it, it obviously the, the Jets got four plays into their season before their season basically ended because of quarterback issues. So that to me is the biggest thing about having a really long season. It's hard to keep your, your key players around for when it matters at the end. Yeah. Uh so Zoke, uh I, I because it was raining where I live, a monsoon. I watched the monsoon from uh, stem to stern uh, out in uh, Charlotte between uh, the Falcons and the uh, and the Panthers. And uh, you know, I certainly have uh, some things I want to ask you about, obviously. But uh, you know, what a what a deluge and a few hardy souls, several thousand hardy souls, I guess, uh, soaking it all in. So, was that uh, one of the more bizarre? weather settings that you've uh, been a part of? I mean, um, like the weather wasn't great, but it wasn't like the worst weather day. I think it was just a, a collaboration of the, the records and the interest in the teams and, and the, it not being a great weather day. We've certainly had worse weather days overall than that, but it was not ideal. And uh, I think, that, I think honestly, if that was like a playoff type game, it probably would have been full. I think people get, you know, their, their mood set and they get the mindset when it's a bad weather game. And I grew up near Cleveland. So, you know, Green Bay comes in this week. They would laugh. They would scoff at weather like that as being a reason not to go to a football game. <laughs> can I use the word scoff? Um, you but can, you know what? Yes. We, we, but here's the big thing. Is they got to win. Panthers get a win. As I told Phil, it was kind of like a, a win without entertainment. It was more like you're in college and you pass like a really difficult, say, calculus class right. with a C-. minus. You, you notched what you needed to into the uh, the book there, but uh, it wasn't like you, you enjoyed the process as far as the, the fun. But uh, it was, it's always fun to win, as they say. So they got the win, and that's the biggest part. So I thought Bryce Young on the final drive, Zoke, was uh, what a lot of people thought he would be uh, and could be and may end up being. Um, you know, he, he moved the – he didn't run a lot, but he moved the po- – well, he ran, but, he, you know, he moved the pocket when he needed to to throw. Uh, he may, he just looked in control on that last drive, and I know there's other components to it, but I think given the weather, you know, for him to get his first fourth quarter comeback in that situation uh, was was I, I, I'll be honest, a lot of fun to watch. That was great, yeah, that was great for him as far as like the offensive highlight of the day was obviously that last drive, and it, it would normally take us as it did 17 plays to get the length of the field. That's about how many plays you would expect. <laughs> to get all right. the way down the field. It was very similar to the Houston win where they had a very long field goal drive at the end and got the win. So it was kind of this plotting thing. But, you know, the great thing is, you know, in football they have two-minute offense, four-minute offense, in some cases eight minutes, and they ran the clock out with seven and a half minutes to go. So that was the best part was it was really great clock management. They used up all the timeouts uh, that Atlanta had left in the game at that point. Did a great job of coaching up Chuba Hubbard to fall down at the one. Don't get the end. So I've seen it many times. 
in pro football where the guy just gets going and goes in the end zone, and now the other team's got a minute and a half, and uh, they get a chance to come back and try to beat you. So I thought they, they really handled it well uh, as far as the coaching aspect. And yeah, I think for Bryce, just to see him smile, uh, to be happy at the end of a game, to have some confidence, hopefully to build off of that is something, uh, hopefully, like you said, kind of what you thought you might see a little bit more. And uh, it wasn't like a huge numbers day, but maybe something like a little springboard to jump off of with three games to go. Yeah, I thought he was really po- uh, poised. He seemed to be playing a little more, uh, you know, less like the weight of the world on his shoulders. Yeah, and I think having the running game helps. And again, it, it wasn't like big point numbers. They're going to win a lot of games like that as far as nine points, and hopefully that comes. But I think that the switch with the coaching staff to really emphasizing the run game has taken a lot off his shoulders. I mean, every week uh, since the change, they've run well in another 136 yards in this game last week. And Chuba Hubbard, all three games since the change, has been uh, terrific. And this fits the offensive line better. It's, it's less for Bryce to have to kind of put on his shoulders as far as running the offense. And, you know, they're using him more under center. You know, first part of the year they seldom did. This past game is right around 50% under center instead of shotgun. And that helps introduce things like, you watch the game, Amir Smith-Marset with the jet sweep action, whether he got the mm-hmm. ball or not, he carried it four times for 31 yards as a receiver. So just things that you can't do as easily if you're in the – and I think just for running backs, it just it just helps uh, to not be out of the, the pistol and be so deep out of a shotgun and things like that. So a lot of kind of nuanced things they've done. You mentioned rolling the pocket and some other things. I think have all been things that are a little bit more comfortable for what he's able to do right now. I thought uh, DJ Chark's catch, and, and I really thought that ball was not misthrown. I think that's the only place Young thought he could put it for Chark to have a, a chance. And, you know, he's, again, a guy that's shown flashes with a little more consistent last year in D- Detroit, um, but struggled, I guess, with consistency when he was with the Jags, I believe it was, early in his career. But, you know, here he is making a play, and again, you see that happen, and you think, gosh, why can't that guy do that with some more consistency? Because that was a magnificent catch he made to get his feet down and, and control the ball all the way through the catch. No, it was really as far as uh, this team this season, I think it was a catch of the year, and like you said, he was kind of yeah. on his feet, yeah. 180, and then Still got his, his toes inbound to stay inbounds. And that was, that was the right throw by, by Bryce Young. That was not like, you know, Chark was, was saving him there. That was where it was supposed to be thrown and just a good adjustment in the air for that. And, you know, Luke Keekley made an interesting comment with us in the last week or two about he's been really, you know, watching how the receivers run their routes collectively. And he says he's noticed a lot of like where they're, you know, in this league, it's, you know, as we all know, small windows. In, in college, there's, there's, much bigger windows when you have a big program to be able to get open receivers, sometimes a couple yards open in the, in the NFL. It doesn't happen a lot. Is that he, he's noticed the receivers aren't necessarily running their routes correctly as far as the right depth and where they're supposed to be. So sometimes you see Bryce make a throw. You go, oh, he missed that guy, or they, is incomplete or whatever. And again, it's not all the time, but there's a good number of these throughout the season where he says the receivers aren't running their, their routes precisely enough. Bryce is making the right throw when they're not there. So that's, you know, something, again, that's kind of those hidden things like you talk about, you know, is it Bryce, is it uh, the receivers, or whatever the case may be. So you factor that in. You've got to be more precise in your route running. And Chark has dropped some sometimes. I know he's run some routes not fully the way he was supposed to. So that was a really good moment for him, too. Uh, we're talking to Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network. They'll have Green Bay coming up this weekend. Uh, offensive line, I thought, played better, Jim, and, uh, and uh, Trimble, uh, the tight end. Uh, a good day to have a tight end be involved, and uh, I don't know how many times he was targeted, but he had a couple of, of, of catches, and that's a you know another part. I think if there can be some continuity in that within the offense, uh, that'll help Bryce Young. 
Yeah, and it looks like Ian Thomas will be back this week. So it looks like all the tight ends oh, that had been out over the past couple of weeks are back practicing this week and ready to roll. And you're right, that stuff helps as far as both in the blocking and in the receiving component of what they're doing out there. So I think every week, too, with having Chris Tabor as head coach and Thomas Brown as the play-calling offensive coordinator, that you know they're able to kind of do a little bit more each week. Uh, the first half week or three-quarters of a week was just get the product out there, get, get the food out of the kitchen. Now they can kind of, you know, make, make a little bit more of what they want it to be and, and kind of look at what works and what doesn't work. And I think having the tight ends involved is in any offense has been underutilized for this team since the days of Greg Olson, quite honestly. But uh, having those guys out there, I mean, they've got some pretty good abilities. Hayden Hurst, of course, never really got going this year and won't play again this season with the injury. But uh, I think everybody else, you know, that those guys are pretty solid. Hey, Zoke, uh, you got Green Bay coming in. They are coming off uh, kind of a stunning loss to the Baker Mayfield-led Buccaneers. Maybe I don't know how stunning. I guess it's just, to me, to lose at home to Tampa, and and they're not having setting it on fire this year by any stretch. But, you know, it just – it seems like if they do generate a little bit of offense, their defense lets them down. Uh, So what's the book on Green Bay coming in? Yeah, I think the offense is pretty solid. You're – the issues are on defense. You're right. I mean, Baker Mayfield had a perfect quarterback rating. He had four touchdown passes, threw for 381 yards. And Say that Baker again. Mayfield it was Baker Mayfield. Baker right. Mayfield. Baker Mayfield <laughs> at Lambeau Field had a perfect – I mean, those are huge numbers. And Baker's had some good days, but that's got to be – I mean, perfect quarterback rating and four touchdowns. That's got to be his best day as a pro. Um, yeah. So they've, they've been talking during the season about Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator, would get canned in season. And honestly, their bigger issue – collectively this year has been stopping the run. They're 30th in the run out of 32, right. allowing 139 yards per game, which is obviously what the Panthers are going to do against anybody's try to run the game, shorten the game, get to the fourth quarter. So uh, maybe an opportunity there to do the kind of thing they've been trying to do, which is you know do all those things and get to the fourth quarter, maybe steal one. So I think, yeah, their issues are more on defense. I think Jordan Love's done a, a really good job for them. And you know, they've been spoiled, obviously, with having Aaron Rodgers and sure. Brett Favre for the last couple of generations, but 25 touchdowns against 11 picks. I think Jordan Love is uh, is their guy long term, yeah, so bad. they do have a yeah. quarterback. Yeah, yeah, not bad at all. Hey, uh, Zoe, great to talk to you again. Merry Christmas and uh, a joyous holiday to you and the family. And uh, uh, we will pester you next week if you accept the challenge. So, I, uh, I will wait the phone call from Philip, and we'll talk to you guys then. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Zoe. <laughs> all right, boys. See you. All right, there he goes, the great Jim Zoki. All right, uh, Pilk with the 94.3 The Game Sports Update and Pirate Report. And then Rob Maloney will join us with the breakdown of the ECU women's basketball game uh, from today. And more, here's Pilk. Thanks, P-Man. Both the men's and women's basketball team will go into the Christmas break on a high note as the men's team snapped a two-game skid with a win over Delaware State last night, 79-50. R.J. Felton led all scores with 26 points. Also, Brandon Johnson added a double-double with 13 points and 15 boards. Uh, His 10th career board of the night, which came in the first half, put him at 500 for his career. And today, the women defeated... Charleston Southern, 75-46, and Danae McDeal scored her 1,000th career point. I'm so grateful for Coach Kim and the coaching staff for taking me in. Um, I just needed to come here and get a restart, and they took me in open arms, and I'm so grateful for them. The Pirate football team has found a new safeties coach after Trip Weaver took the D.C. job at Austin P. Former Pirate All-Conference safety Damon Magnizu 
Magnazoo, excuse me, has taken the position. He has been at UNLV as their safeties coach since 2020. He played for the Pirates from 2010 to 2013 and was a GA here after being a player. He will coach in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl as the Rebels will take on Kansas on Tuesday. Bowl games will resume tonight as South Florida will take on Syracuse in the Boca Raton Bowl at 8 o'clock. The Orange are favored by three in that game, and there's a big one in the NFC playoffs. Off picture tonight is two teams that are tied at seven and seven for the final wild card spot will square off as the Rams will host the New Orleans Saints. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, Rob Maloney will join us to talk about the Pirates women's basketball win. I'm very ready. Okay, ready? Ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. All right, uh, welcome back. Let's go to the uh, guest line where Rob Maloney uh, joins us, analyst for ECU Women's Basketball on the ECU Sports Network and uh, also uh, director of athletics for Pitt County uh, Schools. Great to talk to uh, you, Rob. Coach, how are you? Uh, Merry Christmas, by the way, and, the, cool. and a great holiday for you and your family, I hope. Uh, same same to you, Patrick. Doing great, thank you, and uh Obviously doing great after a big Pirate victory this afternoon. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, a great call, as always, and uh, you know a lot of fun to be with, with Scott Rogers there at courtside. And, again, it was a great Pirate victory. Uh, Danae McNeil crosses over 1,000 points today. Uh, Pilk had a cut from her just a little bit ago where she talked about uh, kind of overcoming uh, – or, or, or taking advantage of the fresh start, I guess, would be the, the way to put it. So you've watched her uh, at various points over the last two years, and uh, she's a big part of what East Carolina does, uh, both defensively and uh, and offensively. I, I agree with you. I, she's definitely the heartbeat of the team. You know, it's a very talented ball team, and today was a good example of that with, you know, showing the depth that they have around her, but that leadership that she brings and – she plays with such passion, and and it showed at the you know in the post game when Scott had the post game interview interview with her, she got a little touched as Coach McNeil did as well, and she brings that level of passion with her. Uh, definitely, just ultra talented, you know, transferring in from the ACC, uh, you know, into the American Conference, and is such a leader in so many different levels. I mean, she's obviously skilled, but she has so. The poise that she displays is what I always marvel at. Uh, you know, even when she's not having a very good game, maybe shooting, which is rare, uh, she still has an impact and is still very effective for the Pirates. Rob Maloney uh, joins us. He was uh, on the call along with Scott Rogers of uh, today's ECU women's basketball game. Amaya Joyner uh, comes back today and posts another double-double, so that's back-to-back uh, for her. And she asked, and she showed a little bit of an aspect of a different part of her game, six assists uh, today. So tell me a little bit about uh, you know what you, you thought of her play today because obviously after that huge game against George Mason, uh, she was going to get paid some special attention. Yeah, you're right. I agree. And and Charleston Southern came out and, and opened up in his own defense and they were trying to obviously take away that inside, you know, attack from, from East Carolina and in particular from Amaya. Um Amaya, like I said, I one of the biggest things I see in Amaya's game is her maturity level has really grown since her freshman year. And uh Scott and I were talking about it in pregame today 
we were, you know, going to be interested to see how she handled that success that she had uh, versus George Mason the other night. And uh, she came out, didn't have the best game shooting, but she was so good around the basket, getting second shots off of offensive rebounds and really did an excellent job. There were a couple of possessions where she had beautiful high-low passes from the high post, dumping it down or hitting somebody on a dive to the rim and just displayed, I'll, I'll say, a much higher level of maturity uh, in this sophomore season. Uh, Coach, as far as uh, this team, they've won a handful in a row. They're 6-0 at home. And for them, they, they obviously have a huge game coming up. We'll talk about that in a minute. But they, you know, then start the conference season. Do you feel like they're sort of gaining some momentum as they go into conference play? I do. I do. And and this, this team has a lot of youth to it. And there were times today where there were four freshmen on the floor. So it, it takes a little while for a team with so much youth to gel with their older, you know, older teammates. And I think that's what we're seeing occur before our eyes. And, especially before they get into the American, you know, to league play, whatnot. Um, at times, again, you know, you see the seniority, but you see the flair, you see the flash and the potential of these young athletes. Um, Coach McNeil today uh, really, you know, was able to play deep with her bench. And I'm not saying just mop-up minutes. In the first half, she, there were times that she, were, she was bringing in, you know, shifts of five players at a time. And uh, so the more you can do that, the more that chemistry develops. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see what they do once they get in the American. You know, you, you're bringing up, you know, talk a little bit about the South Carolina matchup, which is right, obviously right. quite a mountain, uh, you know, a challenge. Uh, but I think it's also an exciting opportunity. And I, I'll let you speak more to that. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. No, no. And, uh, you know, they announced at South Carolina their game against UConn in February is a sellout. Uh, I've seen them play a couple of times this year. I mean, they're just throttling teams uh, left and right. And uh, they've played some tough road environments this year at South Carolina. So when you look to that game, ECU will be a prohibitive underdog uh, in that. So what is success? You want to win. And I'm not saying you're, you're going to fold up the tent or anything. But, I mean, you're, you've got to play a really, really perfect game in many respects and, and South Carolina would have to have a really off day, you know, in order for that to happen. Who knows? This is why you play the game as you know, but um, is the ECU style conducive to, you know, success against what South Carolina does? You know, it, it's going to be, again, as we all know, it's obviously going to be a difficult challenge. And, and as you said, well, they are, they've been just, not winning games, they've been really beating the opponent and by large margins, and which is amazing on the level that they play. Uh, you're talking about an SEC team, obviously. Um, so, I, does the style is the style conducive? Well, I don't know if anyone's style is conducive to you know obviously beating right. them unless you have that elite, high level Division One roster. Having said that, what I like about this East Carolina team is, and they displayed it today. You know, they cost 31 turnovers from uh, Charleston right. Southern. They're not. They're obviously not going to do that in South Carolina. Having said that, what they displayed to me is the ability not only to get out and transition and run, but when they needed to, they could back it out in the half-court set, and they were organized and could uh, execute the half-court game. And I, I think that's going to be the challenge is how they handle the pace, how they handle the physicality of South Carolina, and, and I want to go back to recent history. A couple of months ago, 
This program mm-hmm. was in the NCAA tournament, and I think that this sure. is one of those, um, you know, this get them a gauge of where they are right now, even versus a year ago, so that hopefully we can see them return to the NCAA tournament. And now, are they worthy? Maybe they can advance, you know, a couple of rounds and see, you know, how we've grown as a program. And I go back to what I was saying. There's a lot of youth in this team, and uh, so it's going to be exciting. I I just would love to see us go out there and compete, and I think we we definitely can do that. Uh, we have talked uh, about a couple of pirate players in uh, McNeil and Amaya Joiner, uh, the Farmville grad. Uh, Micah Dennis had a big game today. Sure uh, did. Gordon did as well. So so who are some of the other you know players you think that have to play well? not only against uh, South Carolina, but when they really get into conference play to, to have a successful year? You know, we had uh, Karina Gordon, a uh, freshman, came in today, and uh, she had a big game. She had 16 points and was just uh, very strong, had a nice perimeter game, did a good job of uh, shooting the three. And I, I think if she can maintain that ability, that definitely sets us apart because it's hard to keep. You know, most teams always – key on stopping Amaya Joyner and, and obviously Danae McNeil. But then when you have that other guard that's out there that is a, is a virtual threat from the three, that kind of opens things up for you. Uh, the Weiss sisters that, that transferred in over the, you know, this past year, they've been a big right. addition. And what's that? I'm sorry. I was just saying, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I, I think they both have just, uh, they bring, you know, more length to the table, and they've played on a high level as well. And I, I think that they they both play keys too, because you know they sub in a lot for each other, and there's no, there's little to no drop off. And I think as long as you can keep that rotation coming in, they give you strength, they give you length, and uh, again, very much like Danae McNeil, they've played on a high level. So um, I, I think those three in particular jump out at me as being very key. Um, I, I want to ask you, let's put the Pitt County AD hat on. There's Christmas tournaments coming up. Uh, so give us a little promo on, you know, the teams that are involved locally and uh, where those respective Christmas tournaments are going to be because they're always big events in Pitt County. Yeah, they are. And, it's, and you know, I'll tell you, it's always a lot of fun, you know, because I've always thought of these tournaments as a little bit, you know, there's the local pride piece and then, Oftentimes, what you see is they come back and, and it's a big reunion of sorts. Um, and right. I absolutely love it. So, South Central is hosting the girls' tournament uh, this week, and uh, and I'm pulling up as we speak so I can give you an idea. So, uh, starting, let's see, it started last night, and so tonight, okay. well, last night it was a, a CBA cock uh, versus Garner. And uh, Conley and Martin County played. So tonight will be the second round over at South Central. Uh, they're playing a game right now at 530, and there'll be a follow-up at 7. So tomorrow night at 7 p.m. will be the championship. So we really we have okay. a lot of gotcha. really good girls basketball in Pitt County. I hope everybody can be there for that. And then on the 26th, 27th, and 28th, we'll have the Parker's, uh, Parker's Barbecue Holiday Classic out at D.H. Conley High School, and that'll be the men's okay. tournament. And uh, that'll be some great games. Great stuff. Uh, thank you much for uh, your time this afternoon. Hope it's a great Christmas for you, and we uh, appreciate you uh, carving out a little bit of time for us uh, here. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you 
in the new year about uh, ECU women's basketball, but also talk to you a little bit about uh, what's going on with, uh, you know, athletics in the school system. So thank you, Rob, as always. Always. Anytime. And you have a Merry Christmas. Thank you so much, Patrick. All right. Great to have Rob Maloney on. All right, Pilk, let's get our uh, next to last break in on the show today. And uh, when we uh, come back, we will uh, wrap this puppy up, tell you about tomorrow's big show. It is the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, 94.3thegame.com, and the IBX Media app. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Is this Christmas Shoes or Christmas and Dixie? Christmas and Dixie. All right. We're running out. I'm, I'm playing three songs a day, Patrick. I'm, I'm running out of music here. I'm saving uh, all the funny Christmas songs Christmas for tomorrow. Song. The, Chris, the All the goofy now, ones are going to be tomorrow. I'm going to send you a list of some I want to hear tomorrow. Okay. Just so you know. All right. Because I think we ought to do some coming in and going out tomorrow. Okay, perfect. So Dave Rose, who is uh, a producer and promoter extraordinaire in the music world, uh, is from Washington originally. Uh, I, I, we were talking about Christmas music once. You know why artists make Christmas music? To get more publicity for their other music? No. Christmas records and songs will always sell when you get around Christmas time. Every year. I mean, it took Mariah Carey yeah. 26 years to hit number one with All I Want for Christmas is You, but it resurfaces towards the top of the charts every year. Yeah, it does. It sure does. So uh, you have that going uh, for you. All right. So uh, tomorrow, in case you missed it, we are going to have uh, one of the uh, shows we look forward most to each year. We'll be on at 6 tomorrow on radio, but if you want to get a preview early, 9.30 is when it will roll out on video tomorrow uh, on all of our uh, social media sites, uh, Facebook, X, YouTube, uh, and it is. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. So that's it. We'll have the airing of grievances tomorrow, our annual uh, Festivus for the Rest of Us show. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, Pilk. I don't know if you are, but I'm I'm excited about it tomorrow. It's always fun show. Friday before the Super Bowl, before a holiday, anything. Right. You know? Super Bowl right. is a holiday, of course. Well, but. yes. Well, at least the Friday before the Super Bowl, we it's it's the Christmas deal's tough, but we're gonna have fun tomorrow. So I think you know, if you're traveling, leaving town. Uh, you can uh, maybe put us on tomorrow and have a few laughs. Uh, Stephen Igo will be on with us. Uh, Joey Football, Joe Sampson will be on with us. Brian Mole will be on with us. Pilk, me. It'll be a lot of fun. That's a lot of people. Don't let anybody on the show these days. It's you're having Joe, Joey Football on. I mean, you just have anybody. It's an extravaganza. It's an extravaganza. All right. Uh, big thanks today to Jim Zoki. Enjoyed having him on. Uh, and uh, enjoyed having on. Uh, Rob Maloney too also next week we'll be off Monday and Tuesday but we'll have shows Wednesday, Thursday and Friday next week since there's ECU basketball and we'll be back uh, on Fridays at 5 from what I understand next week, look forward to that I hope you have a uh, great 
Christmas season if uh, we don't talk to you before then. Back in the morning on Talk of the Town, 103.7, 96.3. And uh, back here for the PJ Show tomorrow at 6. And uh, on our social media platforms at 9.30. Of course, you can always download the IBX Media app. Have a great evening, everybody. Merry Christmas. Hanson Belt and Buckle offers a micro-adjustable, poleless belt, giving you the perfect fit every time. As an ECU alumni-owned business since 2009,